This is the Restless Mama Podcast. Authentic conversations about the mess and magic of motherhood. I'm your host, Celine Marley. Hello and welcome to the show. This week's episode is all about the baby blues and postnatal depression. We'll talk about the difference between the two because I think very often that's a bit unclear and ways on how to manage it and where you can find help if you do have some symptoms. And because two are always better than one, I brought my beautiful friend Tanya on the show. She's a high school teacher, mama of two and lover of words. Also, I do want to apologize um, straight up for any audio quality because this was a Skype interview basically or Skype collaboration because of the whole social distancing coronavirus situation. So apologies for that. I hope you still enjoy it. Okay, so let's dive right in. Tanya, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me on. I am so glad you came on. It's really exciting. Um, so as I already mentioned, first we kind of want to get into um, clarification of the difference between the baby blues and postnatal depression. So apart from my own experience, um, I really want to make um, a point that baby blues is really, really common. Eight out of 10 women actually experience baby blues and you can have any or none or just one symptoms of the following that we got off websites like the Royals Women or Panda. Um, so basically very common um, symptoms are mood swing, teariness, feeling overwhelmed or anxiety. The symptoms also really depend on how your birth went, if you had a good labor or a more traumatic experience with that. Um, and it definitely, baby blues has a lot to do with the hormonal changes um, before and after birth. And I think Tanya has done some research as well. So I'll just um, give it over to her. Um, we were just going to say as well that we are not experts. And so we, it is yeah. just us um, trying to read or find information from credible sources. And yes. so the one I'm looking at is the Royal Women's Source, just so that we're really clear about what the differences were, because later you're going to talk about postnatal depression as well. Yeah. Um, so the Royal Women's says that it does affect up to 80% of new mothers, and then it can happen um, sort of in that first week, sometime in that first week after birth. And often yeah. they call it the day three blues. Mm. Um and as you said, it's things like teariness or feeling anxious, mood swings, um, just feeling, I suppose, a little bit out of character and overwhelmed by everything. Mm. Um, and they're not exactly sure why it happens, but two of the things that we did talk about were um, uh, previously to this were maybe the your birth could have a, have a role in that, whether mm. it um, was something that you you know, didn't go according to plan or felt traumatic or was traumatic or um, even then the hormones associated to birth, whether, you know, like you got that natural rush and we know that the um, that contact with the baby straight after birth is really important for, as well as, you know, the type of birth you have, it's really important for the, the love hormones to come about. And so, yeah, yeah the type of birth you have and, it can really influence um, the type or, or I guess the intensity of the baby blues, mm. but it is as 80% is a pretty high, a high 
portion of yeah. human experience in it. So it's something that's fairly universally experienced um, and not to be afraid of, not to be worried about, but no. just to be aware of Yeah, and, and be honest about as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's very important to be honest. Like I had none of this was in any of my prenatal classes that like the baby blues is so, 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 so common. And I had it like probably with both with my second one more severe, but it was just like, hey, I, I don't really know about this. And you kind of have to work it out by yourself first, which this is why we're doing this podcast. So people actually know about it more. Um so the difference or oh, and also i think the research says that the baby blues shouldn't last longer than two weeks correct yeah that's right yeah, yeah exactly so anything longer than that could develop more into the postnatal depression side and yes. um i've got some like the the symptoms can yeah last longer and are more severe i've got a list here but if you want to go first with your um, yeah. postnatal depression of ones postnatal depression. yeah i was just gonna say if you don't mind if i just throw in like it is i definitely after i had my first baby yeah i had the day three blues and i think it was on day three and um i was at home and all of a sudden i just felt we had so many visitors and also it was actually incredible so beautiful and so just like in this big love bubble and all these family and friends dropping in but then I just remember um feeling really teary suddenly and we had a, a special guest over and I just I just needed to go to my room and cry even though <laughs> I had no reason to be crying but my mum who was wonderful just sort of saw how I was feeling and she just came in and said it's okay you just lay in here and get some sleep while you can and um yeah, it was good. It's good if you've got support and people who understand, mm. then it's much more manageable and it's less scary then. Mm. I think if no one said to you, oh, you know, it's really normal what's happening yeah. to you, um, then that could be quite frightening. But, yeah, um, it is It is vast, not vastly different. They can be confused, but um, they are two different things because the post postnatal depression can happen anywhere in that first year of having mm. a baby it doesn't have to be in the first week or in the first three days or the first three months that they say that it can happen anywhere in that first year and one in seven australian women can um actually develop postnatal depression they actually say men can fathers can yeah, develop it too, too which is and a whole other interesting thing that i haven't looked into but can completely understand because it's such a big life sh you know life shift mm. for everybody involved um but they say some of the signs if you don't mind i'm just going to read yeah them. yeah go a, a low mood feeling inadequate or a failure a sense of hopelessness exhausted which is totally natural mm. as well empty sad teary guilty um anxious and panicky mm. or either you have trouble falling asleep or you can't you know the opposite that you're sleeping so much and you can't wake up and just an excessive worry and that um it you know if it goes on for two or more weeks any i mean any time in the first 10 years or who knows but in that first year if it goes on for more than 10 weeks then just um speaking to somebody about mm -hmm. it so they're the signs of postnatal depression but um, they also have a scale. So if you go yeah. and you would have done this at your maternal and child health, health checks, yeah. um, I think it's called the Edinburgh scale or something like that. So mm. they'll ask all these questions. But 
No yeah. one is, is really anyone honest with us oh, if no, you say it in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you know, no one wants to admit to it. So that's neither here or there. You're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess the the biggest thing in my mind, and as I said, I'm no expert, is if you are feeling out of character in a mm. negative way um, or an uncomfortable way and it's ongoing or even, you know, it doesn't have to be con- continuous. It might be sporadic. But... Um, significant moments of feeling overwhelmed, out of character, feeling negative, then I would just speak to somebody because Mm. we just need support. Like it's such a huge transition and it's exhausting Mm. that, you know, um, it's there's a maybe we think there's a taboo around it. I don't know whether they should be or not Mm. because it's one in seven again is fairly common. Um, So we shouldn't be judging each other for how we're feeling and it doesn't make you any more or less competent, but yet are speaking to somebody if, it's, if that's how you're feeling. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is that, like, personal depression can actually even go into the, like, you can get into that stage where you can have suicidal thoughts, where you want to harm your baby, or that, like, that would be probably the severest stage of postnatal depression, which I don't think you have that with baby blues. And again... That is the biggest sign that you really do should just yeah. reach out, and yeah, that's what I'm like that's what the, that that I have from the Panda website as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and anger like that you ha- that you feel, and I do did actually experience that myself. But yeah, that you're angry. Yeah. Mm. yeah, well, I just don't think if it's a negative feeling, like having a baby is hard work. Mm. Uh, um, we romanticize about it, and people are only willing to share the glory kind yeah. of stories which is why i think you're doing this podcast because you are an ace mum and um <laughs> you're really good at it but you also want people to know it's not just roses yeah um but it shouldn't having a baby shouldn't be a negative experience no. it's hard work it's tiring it's all mm. of those things so if you're having any negative feeling and it doesn't have to be the extremes it can just be look i'm finding this really overwhelming or I'm just having a lot of trouble with this or whatever it is then um speaking to people you know it's a that old saying that takes a village to raise a child and just the way our lives are society is structured now especially now we're very isolated but Mm. even before the um social isolation with this virus we do live much more isolated lives and, Mm. and we don't um ask for support because we think it makes us look like we haven't you know haven't got it together and we're not capable whereas that's just crazy and and we do need to have that support around us so I think just anything negative my advice would be talk to somebody because also Mm. people want to help yeah but don't know how when you have a baby you know yeah, nah, yeah. I completely agree. And we talk, talked about that the other day when we were still able to catch up or on your couch about like how, yeah. um, you know, having this life on, on like very independent, all, all that society, all the choices and freedom that we have is almost like a curse and a blessing in a way because... Um, we don't have a village anymore because of that. We have all the power, you know, and equality on we can we can do it all. And I think it's very much in our mind that 
we yeah i i'm okay i i can do this you know like i can yeah. i've got i've got my job i've got the household i've got the kids i've I, i've got my partner i've got everyone i've got this and by the time you actually realize how much you're doing it's already breaking down and i took completely agree with you i was watching with my boys the other day um one of the ice age movies and um you know how you said that it's so romantic or like you know it's making the the whole sense of having a baby such yeah. a beautiful experience and as much as it is but it's literally like in every movie now you have little bits um so in this particular one there was like um the the, the tiger and his girlfriend they were thinking about like oh you know they, i think there was one scene of that they were thinking about having babies and then they read two kids a story and I'm pointing out the word kids not babies kids and you know they have this moment of they're just telling a super cool story and the kids are sitting there looking at them and are so excited and this is five percent this is one of the glorious moments this is one of the magic the yeah. magical moments of motherhood or parenthood where you think like yes this is why i'm doing this but and in any movie we grow up with these you know like those scenes that make us want children and have and, and really only point out the magical moments where all the messy moments and i think they are basically especially in early motherhood that's for me 80 to 90 percent all that hard work that you're putting in to then get to all these magical moments um that surprised me i was like or, or not surprised me but i was like hold on i have to put this in the podcast because We grow up with this. It's this yeah. fantasy of having a baby is so magical, but you really do forget about the mess part. And we don't have a village around it anymore. That's That was back in the days, at least in our culture here. And it would be definitely easier to have, um, yeah, more mums around or, or family around, but um, everyone is different in that way. And we, I think we do also want to, you know do it all by ourselves as well yeah. which just makes it more harder because we don't want to ask yeah um yeah in terms of um in terms of baby blues and postnatal depression you already touched base a little bit on that you had that moment with was it with with your firstborn or your secondborn first with my first baby yeah first and I, i didn't even remember that until just then because i think mm. i'd said to you nah when my especially with the first baby didn't have anything like that but it just mm. it just struck me at that moment actually no on day three I remember crying and just going to my room and I, because mum said it's okay you know just go mm. and have a rest you've been up all night with the baby it's all new just go rest and then I just never thought about it again and I had that rest and got on with it so I was really um lucky in that way mm. yeah mm. yeah 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 um well I had kind of both I guess with with my first bone firstborn that was I didn't really I probably had a bit of baby blues but for me it was like this is all new I have no idea what's going on right now and I'm this you know little freedom person that always was very independent and suddenly I had a baby and that was all a big surprise and for me so that was the overwhelming feeling was quite normal though with him 
I definitely um, had postnatal depression in the longer run. Um, but I'm going to put do the baby blues first with my second born because that was a very severe, not, but that was very clearly to me. I had my second baby again, um, a, you know, beautiful birth, but I did not want to leave the hospital. I remember you left the hospital like what with your second one the day you you gave think, birth. Yeah, in a, like a three hours after. Yeah, that's right. We had him. Um, we left when the no, we left at afternoon tea, and we got home to see the end of footy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Footy, he was a quick one. Yeah, he was a quick one. But you really wanted to go home as well. I, I wanted remember. to be home. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So for me. I was so scared going home. I remember mm. that like very, very vividly that I thought like, I don't know how I can handle or I, what was I even thinking of having two kids? Like how I'm going to manage them? And I was really worried like from the, and uh, still was very happy that my second son was there. It was no resentment or any of those feelings, but it was this more so, how do I manage this now? And then as soon mm-hmm. as I went home, I think then it really overcome overcame me with like a, like a lot of sadness um, to the point where like I barely talked, I barely smiled, uh, didn't really wanna. Um, I just kind of like got through the day. That's mm. what it felt like. And my second son was very pushy at that stage too. You know, at the age of what was it, two and a half, almost yeah. three, and. I still clearly remember that time when I was just, I had my um, first, my newborn like on me, just holding him. And he was, he was quite, he was like so lucky that he was pretty chilled um, Mm -hmm. compared to my first one. And oh, I had a big discussion, not big discussion, but a big thing with my first, first one. And any gentle parenting did not work anymore. It just did not yeah. work. Like nothing worked. And he well, that's just... the hardest age. <sighs> that's the right. Economy kicks in. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then I was just literally like in the corner of the kitchen, as close I could get to that corner and just like sobbing tears rolling mm-hmm. down, thinking like, what was I even thinking? Why? What have I done? What have I done? And I think, you know, the, the biggest thing there again comes like out the biggest emotion in parenthood for me still is not, not as big anymore, but I think guilt is one of the biggest emotions. I think in, we just accept it. Like it's still a big one, but we're just used to it. Yeah, it's like, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's right. And especially because like in that moment and, and like I, I'm really, really happy that I have my boys. But at that moment, you all just want your life back. Or I did, you know, for me, it was like, what, what, what is going on? And then there's all these other women that desire to have a child and, and you are now complaining about having one. So it's like... Ugh. Um, but that actually, so what happened then, and it was literally the 10th day and because I had, um, in my youth experience with, um, severe depression, I guess, or like definitely depression, I said to my partner on the 10th day, if this doesn't go away, I cannot deal with this anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just get some, um, natural antidepressant and, also being a social worker and like family counseling and all that you kind of 
just think like, I need to be able to control this. Why is this? Why can't I not control this? And then literally like my partner said, okay, let's just have, let's just have a swim. And we had a swim and I had a swim on day 10 and I came out and after that day, it literally eased off and I was almost back to my, like my normal happiness. Um, where yeah. with my first one, and I think there's probably one, so that was much, 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 much longer or it kind of developed with time because um, it wasn't very easy to for me in that time because he was not sleeping at all. So yeah. he was the worst sleeper in the world. So by, what was it, seven or nine months, he still woke up every hour and a half to two hours yeah. every night. And I think, first of all, we are completely sleep deprived, but we also started traveling, which was actually for my sanity, um, for my partner's work. As you know, we traveled around the world with the Surfing World yeah. Tour. And one of the first stops were the Gold Coast. And I still vividly remember this one moment where he went to the pub with friends and I was supposed to go there too. Yeah. And I wanted to just put him down and he would not go down. There was no way. And then I put him in the pram and I was walking and walking and walking. And and everyone, and you feel like everyone's looking at you because you're already like, your baby is crying and you take him out and you put him back well, you in. you just feel so vulnerable, mm. don't you? Self-conscious, even though maybe no one's really looking or... Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, you really do yeah. feel like that. And um, yeah, and I... And at that moment, I think I actually lost it because they're not losing it as in that I, that I, that I harmed him at all or anything. But I still like remember this feeling where I took him out of the pram and I put him on my, on my arm and I, you know, tried to kind of walk him to sleep and he just cried and cried and cried. Didn't want the boob, nothing, nothing was good enough. And I was just like actually then sunk down on my knees at the Gold Coast. Like, mm -hmm. mind you, that was literally in front yes. of the beach. And I started crying and I could not control mm -hmm. myself anymore. And I said, like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. It, it yeah. still actually still makes me makes me. Was asleep. anyone with you? No, no. Oh, I know. Funny. Yeah, I know. And it was, it was yeah. like, because all I wanted to do was just, you know, go and again it was eight months after you know I had like yeah. eight months yeah. I've been doing this and what well, eight months of not sleeping of not sleeping and no I mean I have yeah exactly and I have a really supportive partner too but so I yeah was literally just there and I didn't know what to do anymore I was I yeah. was I was done so all I did then was with uh, like tears in my eyes still going to the pub and I waved my partner to me and he's like, oh my God, something's wrong. Yeah. And this was something I've never, ever done before. I gave him our son and I said, I can't do this anymore. I need to sleep. You go. I, I'm, I'm done. Do you think um, a large part of that too, I think how you were feeling was sleep deprivation. Yeah, 100%. Like if, if we, mums and dads mm. are given good sleep, then things are always way more yeah. manageable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. Like with my second son, like he was sleeping much, much easier and much, much better. And part of that was like that we found the right, and um, with my first son as well, we found the right method of sleep training that worked yeah. for us and for our child. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, like definitely sleep is massive. Um, but I think yeah. in general for me, motherhood – and I guess that's why why I started this podcast as well was or is still sometimes a struggle it's always a struggle for everyone I guess at some point um because I do believe that you know um for me it was like you have that that's it you can't just if you're a very independent woman that um is you know used to being spontaneous yes and you can't do that anymore you can do it to a certain extent because i mean you know a lot of people said to us you can't travel the world with a child and then look at us we've done it like three years um but it's only to a certain extent um yeah it shifts because you do have a child but not impossible yeah exactly Yeah. yeah that's right but yeah so that's um my my kind of two two moments yeah. that I can I can yeah. put out there as a um as a sharing story um yeah. and we all got out of it and how do we get out of it that's the question yeah 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 that's it yeah I think I think um it's just really important if you suspect it's um something a bit darker than what you're comfortable with is seeking professional help and um I know at the end you're going to give some details and I Mm. think that's really important but speaking to loved ones and uh, provided I mean hopefully you've got loved ones around you who are who are supportive but just being really honest um because there should be should be no judgment um no taboo Uh, you're saying before that all the mums are saying how wonderful motherhood is but I can guarantee behind closed doors they would definitely have moments of feeling overwhelmed or having um, moments of just losing it at their kids or whatever it is so um, how do you manage it yeah what did you do Celine Um, I remember I journaled a lot so I always liked writing and um, often helped me in terms of that even if you you know if you have if and and I had those angry thoughts I was angry at the world I was angry of of like that I have a child and I and I didn't want to voice them even not to like I guess now I was pretty open to my partner and I think that's yeah as you say it's one massive thing if you if you do have your partner around I think do tell them what's going on in your mind. Do tell them what what is happening right now with what you're feeling because they have no idea. They do not know that experience of, um, you know, they don't experience birth. They don't experience all the hormonal changes that comes with that after. So I think it's very important to... Um, yeah, I, I told him actually just to, to let me be in that moment because I knew I had various techniques that I can kind of implement to get through this. And um, so for the baby blues, that was really important. Or what helped me the most was journaling, like that you just write any feeling and anything that comes out. And very often after like page, I don't know, one, two or three or however your, your journaling process works, I feel like you get some sort of a little insight. 
where suddenly there is rather than being anxious and angry and hopeless uh, like hopelessness hopelessness is that the right word yeah mm -hmm. you then find a moment where suddenly it's like ah oh, yeah I, i have where you find hope again and where it's okay yeah. where you feel like okay this is there is a way out of it um yeah and I yeah i think mm. the other day where um It was saying when you write, it was in the book you loaned me actually. Oh, yeah. The whole brainchild. Mm. We were saying something about where you write or even talking to somebody and getting them to talk about how they feel it shifts it out of the um, side of the brain that is your emotional regulation into then the more rational side of the mm. brain. And so by giving it a narrative and labeling it, it, it does, it ha helps to soothe and calm by giving it that narrative it helps to calm the heightened emotion around it yeah and so journaling is perfect too because then you're also getting your own space and a bit of quiet which is pretty rare yeah. as a new mother yeah exactly yeah i agree and yeah that's the thing again you know ask for help and take time for yourself i mean now at the moment with the coronavirus situation and lockdown and everything that would be probably much harder But like if you do have somebody in in your house, somebody that you can ask for help, um, then definitely ask for a little bit of a break and, you know, yeah. just take that time. Even if you have a good experience, you know, even if you feel good as a mom, I think it's very mm -hmm. important in, in that early stage of just, you know, like taking 10 minutes, 15 minutes of just saying, okay, how do i feel what's going on how how mm. is how just to check in with yourself and be aware mm. um yeah. yeah and i think um for the long one with like postnatal depression like in my case that wasn't very severe you know i still could enjoy life i still had a good relationship with my partner but at the same time mm. i think in yeah how you how you what you already mentioned that talking with your partner is the was the biggest for me because if I wouldn't have talked to him he probably would have thought that I resent him and I think yeah um changing a motherhood like in in parenthood is huge and we're gonna do a whole episode on relationship and how is it changing your relationship um but I think it's very very important to yeah as you said just voice it and talk about it and take time so i very um i took a lot of time for myself and from very early on we had our child was a shared responsibility that was clear from the start um and i was able although i was breastfeeding of course but i was able to go after like 18 months or once i was finished breastfeeding to go on my annual holiday that i usually do by myself i um incorporated like going for surf and having my yoga practice and having a walk or just having a swim all these little things that you just take or or just a, the house for yourself you know those yeah. little things just silence N no one yes no one around just silence having that yeah. i think that really and and still gets me through 
um, well, says the now back, I lost my job through the coronavirus and now I'm back to stay home, <laughs> stay home, yeah. mom. Um, and my kids were beautiful in family daycare or are in family daycare and in school. Um, that's all gone now. So I know. how do we it manage? All yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think, yeah, it, it's still take your time, you know, and yes, I, I'm not a big fan of putting my children in front of the TV, but at the moment, um, if that gives me an hour and a half of sanity of, you know, um, putting some time into the podcast or anything that I love going full swim, going full surf, if I can, um, that keeps me alive in that way. And well, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And I think mm -hmm. that's how I got through it. And also took that practice into, um, yeah, normal day-to-day -day mother life. Yeah. Mm. That's so important. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add, Tanya? Um, I was just thinking, oh, not, not so much. Um, something we did speak about previously and it sort of links in with this is when um, – Oh, my God, I just lost my train of thought. That's motherhood. <laughs> um, I was going to say one of the things that I found when I had my second baby and I, I didn't have um, postnatal depression, but and it's just something for, I think, women and it's advice that I wasn't given. I think my mum mentioned it, but we didn't talk about it, so I never thought about it again and nobody else told me. It's when I had my second baby is I felt so, such a strong longing for my firstborn. Mm. I was in love with and connected and very happy. I had a wonderful birth and um, was really in that love bubble with my second baby, but I felt such a strong longing for my firstborn to the point when I missed him so much, even though he was literally sitting beside me with his arms on me on the couch. I was crying for about two weeks because I don't know why I couldn't explain it, but I, I, I mean, you would have seen me in that first two weeks and I'd go mm. to say something and I'd just burst into tears mm. and it was so intense, but I was really honest about it and that was unavoidable because I was in tears. Mm. Um, but then when I'd say to women who have had two or more children, what I'm feeling is this... Um, shift in my relationship with my firstborn, although it hasn't, it's just in my head, um, and a real longing to be with them. And they're like, yeah, I, I was the same. Um, I cried for three weeks, so I did this, or I, you know, I went to the doctor because I was really worried. But nearly every woman has said that's how they felt, but nobody mentions it. Mm. And so when I did have the second baby and I, I was feeling that way, it was um, unexpected, and so I found yeah. it a little bit scary at first because I thought oh my gosh what's happening to me I'm I'm so lucky and I'm really in love with my my two babies um but yeah I think it was just it's it is a big shift going from one to two I've, and many people might agree when you bring home another baby it feels like you bring home a thousand more not just one more because the logistics and the busyness increases so much but um Nobody told me it was a normal feeling and to expect it. And I think that's that's in light of the fact this is about those big emotional shifts um, after birth. That I just want people to know that so that if they do have that experience, and I'm not saying that everyone would, 
but it's just something that's possibly you know as, as long as you're really aware and it doesn't go on for two or more weeks and all those things we spoke about earlier yeah but something to be aware of yeah. just sit with it like you said you were with your feelings to sit with it because uh, this two show I'll pass and um know that it's normal because it having children is a huge shift and and you've spoken about it with how you're feeling your sense of identity while you remain the same person it does shift you be, become a mother and you become a mother of one child then two or whatever you know however many children you just have um but though yeah sometimes as those overwhelming feelings are really normal and i think we just sometimes we we try to stop ourselves from feeling negative things and not like bad yeah you know, um you've got to have those feelings too and just that they will pass but asking for support and being really honest and just throw all those sense of taboo out the window because who cares i think mothers are wonderful each you know in our own we're all so individual in how we do it um just who cares what other people think do your best job and if you're having a, a hard day then have a hard day and it, we all do this kids are crazy like they're so busy and um you and i know we've got two boys each they are so active and um yeah i just think that sometimes those negative feelings are, are, are so common and familiar are not familiar are so common but we don't like to talk about them um so not always to be scared of them because they'll pass. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's all. I, yeah. That's all I was going to really add. Um. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and that it's okay not to be okay. <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. Mm. It's okay not to be okay, and just to chat about it. Um. And ask for support. You were saying that too, and I think it's so important that uh, another thing that as mothers we think, oh. I I have to have this all together and I need to do this and I have to have a really tidy house and dinner on the table and my kids need to be like this. Um, but we still need to look after ourselves as well. And as you were saying, that's so important for our sense of self and our sense of well-being that it's integral, I think. It's so important um, that we that we seek that and that's okay. Mm. It's not even okay. It's awesome and we should do it because we are important and our role is important. So if we, we're not looking after ourselves, then we're not really looking after anyone. Yeah, exactly. That's why they tell us, you know, mm. to put on the oxygen mask first before we put it on our chil- children yeah. because That's otherwise how are you going to do it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think I like how you're saying, like, getting those – I really like the idea of something active. Even though in that first year you, your firstborn did not sleep and my baby was exactly the same, mm. so in that first year I was like, I – if I get any free time, I'm sleeping, and I think that's really important. But once once you kind of overcome that part, I think that, yeah, being active is really um, important for our health and well-being, but also it just gives you a bit of quiet. Like the other day we went for a surf, and I um, actually just put the board up on the sand, and I hopped back into the water, and I laid on my back, and I just looked up at the clouds. And you know when your head is submerged? Yeah. And you've just got that really, like, that hum of, um, dull sound that it was the most beautiful feeling I've had like I was just I was just in this really peaceful moment and then I lifted my head up and back to real life yeah I think yeah those being active and having that little peaceful moment of, of 
um, yeah, time to ourselves to do something like that is really important as mothers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. Yeah, completely agree with all of that because there's a lot of people or I think there is a big belief out there that we always should put our children first. Um, and I always said to my partner, like, this is not how we're going to do it. We put each other first and then our kids come. So for me, it's basically how do I function the best and be the best person? Then how is my partner going? And are we okay in our relationship? Because if we shit in our relationship, we're shit in it as parents. And then we, you know, we look, okay, look at our kids. At the same time, of course, you can't maintain that all in, in all day every day and of course if anything ever would happen to them the first thing you do you know you draw anything also, here and also mom, you don't <laughs> need to justify that <laughs> i know what you mean it's about about looking after yourself and each other mm, yeah exactly yeah yeah cool i look forward to hearing what you say about that in your relationships episode. yeah yeah i'm really excited <laughs> for that um yeah. Nice. Thanks so much for coming um, on the show. This is awesome, and I'm sure we have you, <laughs> we have you more on the show. And so weird. We have to do this by Skype because we're not allowed to sit side by side and yeah. do this. That's a bit. It feels. It feels funny. Yeah, it does. It's the. Uh, yeah. It's 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 weird. Weird and crazy in a way. Yeah, but at I'm least lucky we have the technology. Yeah. Exactly, at least we could put it together. To sum it all up, baby blues is very common and lasts usually up to two weeks. Normal signs are that you feel more overwhelmed, more teary, um, a bit out of sorts and not quite yourself. Anything longer than two weeks could be a sign that you develop postnatal depression. Again, I want to point out could. Um, the big thing is that my mission really is to spread the message that it's okay not to be okay, especially in motherhood, because it is always a massive roller coaster. Some things you work out, everything's working perfect, and then things change again. Um, if you do feel that you have a bit of baby blues or maybe even go into that stage of postnatal depression, I felt journaling helped a lot, talking to your loved ones. Um, and also taking as much time as you can to fill your own cup, to find yourself again and be a good person so you can be a good mother. Um, but we are all different. Whatever you need is best for you. And um, it's always good to take the time, take a breath and find out what do you need right now to feel better. Um, yeah, you can see that everyone needs something different because Tanya, for example, she really wanted to go home when with her um, to her firstborn, where I didn't want to go home. So we are all different, and I think it's all about accepting who we are and surrender to motherhood as much as we can. You can find some more information on postnatal depression and the baby blues. On my website, we put all the resources mentioned and more on the show notes page. This completes this week's episode. If you have any questions, feedback or particular topic that you'd like to have featured on the show, head to my website or social media and send us a message. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, tell your friends and leave us a review so others can find it too. I hope to see you next time. Until then, have a beautiful week. Thank you.